When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. State of mind. It is Friday uh, on the Axon Bulletin, and I am joined by a full house today. I've got Brian Degnan with me. How you doing, Brian? What's up? What's up, world, Laura? Yeah, feeling pretty much the same myself. Jim or you're with us as well. How you doing? Hey, after cold for six weeks, won't go away. But apart from that, I'm all right. Yeah. Apart from that, apart from that, well, hope you're feeling better soon. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, Alan Morrison from the Huddle Breakdown and Celtic by Numbers. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Laura. Good, good to be back with you all. Good to see you. So, I think we all know what we're going to talk about today. Um, the situation with VAR offside, the Jota uh, disallowed goal for offside against 
Motherwell on Wednesday night. Um, for anybody who hasn't been aware of the situation, there was a major amount of contention over the decision uh, because of some lack of clarity around the angles that were used to make the judgment as to whether he was offside or not. Celtic obviously reported it to the SFA, who have come out with a statement this morning, which I'm just going to pull up on the screen for you now. Um, let me just see if I can find it for you. <clears throat> yeah, so there it is. So the SFA have said referee operations can confirm that during a VAR review at Motherwell versus Celtic, the footage from the relevant 18 yard line camera did not capture an appropriate view of the incident. While the broadcast footage was only able to show a wider camera angle for viewers, Hawkeye technology is designed to calibrate an accurate offside decision from either of the two 18-yard line camera positions with subsequent VAR review determining that the Celtic player had received the ball in an offside position. We have provided feedback to the host broadcaster on the incident as part of our regular review of the system operation. Um, Brian, I'll come to you first on this one. I'll be completely honest. I I read it and found it very mealy-mouthed, very poorly worded to an extent. I actually struggled to understand what they were saying. I, I thought there was a slight admission of guilt. I thought there was an attempt to throw multiple other parties under the bus. What what did you make of it when you when you saw it? Well, first of all, mealy-mouthed is one of my favourite insults. It's I love that. Yeah, mealy-mouthed so-and-so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's you can tell that they're, they're basically admitting that they've made a mistake. Or they're, well, they're not admitting they made a mistake. They're trying to throw it off, but they're clearly there's clearly an issue here. Um, and I think that the fact that Bars came in and it's been so contentious already is a worry. And I think the you know the Allen and Jim will talk more on this um, and better detail, but I think the fact that Celtic are asking for clarity and looking into it more so, because generally speaking we don't open our mouth a lot about these things, but the fact that we went in and they're, they're asking for the images, they're asking for exactly an explanation I think it's almost the case that they're trying to stamp out any sort of problem issues as a way, but um, any sort of potential contention moving forward, so but it's a ridiculous statement, it's a ridiculous situation like, we were talking about it off air and the offside one should be the easiest one to tell. And yeah, it's 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 went wrong already at this stage. Uh, and whether that's it's intentionally not being viewed or you know, a decision's been made without seeing the proper footage. It, it's it's just wrong, it's it's ridiculous. And then even when you get the VR decisions or the reviews, the Bernabe penalty was is never a penalty in a million years. And if you can look at that umpteen times and still think it's a penalty. The issue isn't with the cameras, the issue is with the officials. So I think that it's 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 sort of indicative of the refereeing culture in Scotland, I think. But hopefully this the storm will be enough, hopefully, that it can try and iron out some of the accounts. Yeah, it's a it's a strange one because it's one of these situations where it's only in Scottish football. I mean I've I've seen lots of contention over VAR in other countries and things. I've never seen a suggestion that there weren't enough cameras in place, um, but we'll go on to that in a second. Um, Alan, you had some, some really good points and actually before we came on air, helped me to understand the nuances of the statement a little bit better and some of the things it revealed to you about 
the SFA's position on the whole thing and, and things they might have inadvertently revealed without without knowing. So, what what was your take on the on the statement? Yeah, yeah. So, it's just a couple of sort of I suppose statements from myself before we start. Number one is, you know, VAR technology is absolutely fine and it, and it is there to to help all of us. Um, the issues and the concerns are around the humans operating it and the processes and procedures under which they operate is number one. Second is it, it, we've moved beyond the point where it matters particularly whether Jota was onside or offside. That's not the issue at debate here. The issue at debate here is how the, the decision was handled, what processes and procedures that Atosh talked about were followed. That That is the key thing to focus on. So what I believe the SFA have done in their statement is, is actually revealed a tremendous amount in, in, in a mealy-mouthed way, as, as Brian said. The first thing they've done, and, and the PR professionals in the audience will, will know this, is, you know, w- w- what is somebody telling you when the first thing that they do is they throw uh, another party under the bus? That, that isn't uh, owning and taking responsibility for the issue. It's not owning the process. It's not, it's not taking accountability. It's throwing another party under the, under, under the bus. The second thing is they've done is they've confirmed, they've confirmed that despite the camera that is required to judge offside on that side of the pitch not being operatable for whatever reason, um, that nevertheless the technology was such that they were able to make a decision that allowed them to determine that, that Jota was offside. So what, they, what they're doing there is they're confirming that the decision for offside was made in that bar room. Now that, that's important. Mm. And why is that important? Because if you look at the, because the, the image that, is, that was used has been released. And I don't know if you've got it to hand, Laura, but the image is from 50 yards back up the pitch, uh, obviously a very oblique angle, and they don't have the normal two lines to show the defender and the the forward in relation to the ball, uh, and there is and there is no, there's nothing in that image that would help you decide either way whether Jota was or was not offside. So, if if they <coughs> used that image to make, to make a definitive decision, a fact on whether Jota was offside, that is a problem because there's mm. nothing in that image that would allow you to do that. Okay, so that <coughs> is a problem. Because because offside, based on the technology, is a is a binary decision. It's either on or it's off, and the lines that show you that help you decide. Now they mentioned the Hawkeye technology. Now, as we all know in tennis, Hawkeye is a static camera with a moving object. So the static camera is is focused on the on the on the in outline, and the, uh, the 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 moving object is the ball. And all it has to do is decide which side of the line or on the line uh, the ball finished. It's very simple. Uh, with an offside decision, you've got to look at two moving, three moving objects, two players and a ball, multiple players in some in some instances. So in in and of itself, um, you know you you can't just use Hawkeye. You've got to use the human judgment of uh, and the software in harmony to be able to calibrate the lines correctly and then make a decision as to which one's the furthest forward. If they've only used that picture that we've seen from the from the image 50 yards away you cannot definitively say that that uh, was an offside decision now what is also revealing and, and is usually the most revealing way any statement that anyone issues isn't what they say it's what they don't say okay so what they don't say is that they, ha- they, they there was actually a plausible and rational and sensible and fair outcome uh, in all of this 
which was the, the VAR realized that the camera hasn't captured the, right, the correct image. Um, you, and so you say, you know, shit, it's, it, we've screwed up here. Um, for whatever reason, we don't have the evidence that we need to make a, a, a binary decision on this offside call. You then go back to Willie Collum and say, Willie, we've screwed up. We can't tell from the technology used. It's a bit of a bit of a foobar. We'll, we'll sort it all out later in terms of what's gone wrong. I suggest you go with the official's view of the incident on the pitch at the time. What the SFA statement has confirmed is that did not happen. Now, to me, if they'd done that, that would be a fair and reasonable outcome. And they've, they've, what they have concluded and what they've revealed in their statement is that didn't happen. So I think this is a big issue. Why did they, why did they decide definitively that it was offside based on incomplete evidence? And that's on David Dickinson and the bar team. Yeah, Brian Walsh on YouTube says uh, the big question has to be answered here. Did the VAR room have access to an image that we haven't seen to determine if it was offside? If so, why haven't we Correct. seen it? That's, because, that's fair. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. yeah, because as you say, Alan, it's clear from what they've said, reading in between the lines, that the decision was made in the room. And if they've only used the image that we've all seen, which I unfortunately can't share on here for copyright reasons, um, if they've only used that image, then then we all know that they can't have made an accurate mm. decision because it's not an image that you can use to make an accurate decision. Um, Jim, I guess you know we were all watching the game on on Thursday night and or on Wednesday night, and we were all frustrated at the fact that it was such a good goal. The the work from Kyogo to get the ball out from in between those two players and put that <coughs> pass in behind the defence to Jota and him finishing it. The frustration was mainly around the fact that that we um, that we we lost out on such a good goal. Do you think this this statement from the SFA makes the situation worse almost, or is that me being a bit too hyperbolic about it? I think Alan summed up really well, much better than anyone else could do. Uh, mm. I think the thing to to say at the start is this: this isn't a Celtic issue, uh, and I think you know from what I've seen in social media, it's like you know it's like. Celtic being their usual paranoid self and, and, it's, and it's not that, it's like if we're going to bring in VAR, then VAR has to be right from day one and just tell the truth just just tell the truth uh, Alan made some points about that statement, what it, what it doesn't say what it does say, there's a line in it that said that Yota received the ball in an offside position, that's that's neither here nor there it's whether he was offside when the ball was hit mm. I don't know what Hawkeye does I've got no idea what Hawkeye does so show me something that lets me understand that, because I really don't understand that. Is there a microchip in Jota's head, in the ball, <laughs> in the Motherwell player's boot? How does that work? Explain it to us in simple terms that, that, that football fans will understand. Uh, I just feel that, I mean, refereeing is a really hard job, and it's easy to criticise referees. And if you've never refereed yourself, then you, you think, well, why, why do you get these things wrong? I've refereed school games, boys club games, and it's difficult. And, and referees do need a bit of assistance. But it has to be the right kind of assistance. And to me, I just think VAR is fundamentally flawed to start off with. Because when I first heard of VAR, I thought it was a kind of video thing. It was like a referee uses a video to make things better. But VAR's a person. It's the mm. video assistant referee. It's an actual person. And the issue we've had, I think, in Scottish football, and not just Celtic fans, that we think the standard of refereeing is poor. <laughs> So what VAR has done is, is is given us another poor referee alongside the other poor referees. So we've got two referees who are not very good 
referee in the same game, which is which is madness. Because what you've then done is double the chances of getting it wrong because both of them don't know what they're doing. And I think having having the technology is is great. I mean, imagine, I mean, I mean, if you went back 30 years ago, do you think this would be science fiction to actually for a referee to be able to go to a monitor outside of the park, you know, in real time mm. and decide what happens next? That's fantastic to have that. And, and that's what we should be doing in my simple mind because I think what they've looked to do is try to minimise refereeing bad decisions, say, or refereeing mistakes. I would look at it from a completely different point of view. I would look to try and minimise the amount of manager complaints at the end of a game. Because if you do that, then you've minimised referee mistakes. How do you do that? You involve the managers. And it's something I've said before on the podcast, and Alan alluded to tennis there. You give the, each manager three appeals. That's it. Keep it. Don't complicate things. Because what football has done over the last 20 years is, is overly complicated things. This handball rule, for example, natural mm. position... Eh, in my mind, either you say, if it's your hand, it's a penalty, or if you intentionally hit your hand, it's a penalty. When you start bringing in body positions and all that, then it's going to be somebody's subjective interpretation, and all you're going to get is more and more arguments. And you've got two duff referees watching the same game. So for me, if it was down to me, brilliant, we've got the technology that somebody can look, the referee can look very quickly at something. And in my mind, what we should be looking to do is maybe adapting the system that we've got. I'm not going to call it VAR, because that's a person. I would adapt that system and say, right, you've got three appeals. And, and to take it away from Celtic, I mean, obviously the heart scheme is what, when all this stuff started. So uh, the incident, Cameron Carter-Vickers fools is it the heart's quite, Cammy Devlin, and, and uh, Nick Wolf wave play on. Mm. So at that point, Nielsen should say to the official, fourth, fourth official, I'm a peon, stop the game, stop the game. Referee, you've got 30 seconds, come over here, have a look at this, make your decision, and we move on. And whatever decision you make, you have to put that in your match report. And that has to be seen in some website somewhere on the Monday morning. So we all know what you've actually done there. Do it quickly. Give the managers three shots at it. So if you're a manager and you've had three shots at appealing things, and if your appeal's upheld, you don't lose your appeal. And it's short and it's quick. And this idea of having somebody miles away, sitting in a studio with a cup of tea, <laughs> sitting back, watching a game of football, when in the stadium, as it was last Saturday, there's 60,000 people thinking, what's happening here? Mm. We don't know what's happening here. And Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Off a bit of a tangent there, but the penalty that was given against Celtic last week, I can see why it was given. The ball was going towards goal when it hit a guy's hand. And to me, common sense is that's a penalty, but by the rules, that's not a penalty. So you're being done with subjective interpretations. Whenever you have subjectivity, whenever you have interpretations, whenever you have discretion, you know, Alan's subjectivity is different to mine, it's different to Brian's, different to yours. You're going to have arguments all the time. So my concern about the system that we've got just now, it's too complicated. It's too messy. It takes too much time. And what we've now seen today, there's a lack of transparency, there's a lack of consistency, there's a lack of accountability, there's a lack of responsibility. I'm actually glad it's happened. Mm -hmm. The Michael Smith handball the other week, 
I thought this 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 should maybe cost us today. It didn't cost us. We won the game, but I was glad it happened because it flagged up straight away. This is going to be an issue. And what's great about Celtic raising the point as well is that in the past, maybe under a different chief executive, we may have kept our heads down a wee bit. We haven't this time. And Big Ange, again, again last Saturday, which was great, I'm coming home for the game, and he made the point on video, he said, well, he, he thinks that if it hits the ball in the hand, it's a penalty, unless you play hearts away from home, obviously. So he's kept that in his mind, and he's playing that back, and that's what they should be doing. And again, it's not a Celtic issue. Just to clarify, it's not a Celtic. We want VAR to be right. We want a video system to be to be spot on, to be absolutely right. We need it to be right from day one. Otherwise, this will chunter on and on and on. And I, uh, I was fascinated with with Alan's uh, summary there. I think this is a big can of worms, and 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 there's a lot, and, and this has got lots of mileage left in it. I think, which which is great because we want to nail this right at the start. Because just tell the truth. Because we had 10 years of a certain club not telling the truth and people knew about it and nothing happened. We've got a chance to fix this pretty quickly. We've got this winter, we've got this World Cup coming up. So there's a chance to go and sort this kind of stuff out. But it has to be transparent and they have to tell the truth. And that statement, as I said, doesn't look like they're telling the truth there. I don't know, but I think there's a lot more to come in this. And when they put a statement out that says Jota's in an offside position, which is technically wrong, then you're thinking, does the person writing that statement actually know what they're talking about? <laughs> and I just think that's such a such a ridiculous thing to say straight away. And what it does do, it opens up the opportunity for people like us to then chat about this. And it's not just us, there'll be every, even other clubs as well will be having a chat about this. Once they see that statement, they'll be saying things like, that's not right, offside position, that's nothing to do with anything, that's when the ball's kicked. And the Hawkeye thing that Alan mentioned before, and I said at the start, I have no idea how Hawkeye works, but never mind the player moving forward and the player moving back, never mind the ball. There's a guy kicking the ball somewhere. <clears throat> it's, it's Hawkeye picking <clears throat> this up as well. Don't know. Okay, absolutely. So all I would say to that statement is that you have to come out and clarify that statement further. And Celtic and every other club should be all over this because it's going to happen to you at some point unless that's sorted out and it's sorted out quickly. That's my yesterday's rant. Right? Yeah, it's um, it's it's unreal. And Brian, just to reflect on what Alan and, and Jim have said there, I think the overriding frustration that I'm sensing is not necessarily as as both Jim and Alan said whether or not Jota was offside or whether or not it was a goal. It's the fact that they can't come out and be honest about the reason why they perhaps messed up the decision or perhaps weren't able to make the decision entirely clearly. It would be better, would it not, if they just came out and said, you know what, we don't have enough cameras in the stadium to operate the system properly or we don't have enough money to put towards implementing the system properly and you go back to the drawing board and you start again. But they've obviously got too much pride to suggest doing that. Yeah, it was... In a lot of ways, it's the more things change, the more they remain the same because we're looking for consistency in refereeing. We're looking for consistency in VAR. We're not getting either. And it's, I said before when VAR was coming in, it's just an extra, it's just another um, opportunity for the referees to get it wrong. And it's it's that subjective thing. It's like, the other thing is, remember, is it's, it's taken so long, like, and Ange called it out and he doesn't usually call things out like that I know he's very clear about never complaining about refs and trying to keep it just about the team but 
you can tell how frustrated he was getting. He was like, like taking like two minutes to make a decision and the game stops and the flow stops. And again, it's just a, a, a lack of organisation. And again, as, as the, the guy said, you're just looking for consistency across the board. You're, you're not wanting favours. You just want it done right and done honestly and done fairly. But if you could go back 10 years and just talk about this in general, we'll be having the same conversation. But 10 years, 30 years, same conversation. We just want transparency, fairness um, and consistency. And, and it's still the case, which, you know, the common denominator in that is that the refs are not up to scratch. Um, and again, you do not get a conspiracy theory, hope they suggest that because, again, as Jim Ray said, every club will, will suffer at some point from this. Um, but like I said at the start, the fact that Celtic have sort of picked up, um, I think that's, that's they're almost trying to nip it in the bud right away, trying to say, right, sort this now because we can't be having these conversations at the end of the season. Last game of the season, title decided, <laughs> and it comes out in a ridiculous VR camera not working or some sort of SFA statement. That's not what it should be about. Um, it's always good to have these discussions because it's fun. And it's good to have an argument as well about argument off-season penalties. It's great, isn't it? It's, it's good fun when you have this, these debates in the, the pub or on a, a podcast with people because the difference of opinions make it fun, but it's no fun when it's it's so net, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, the fact you'd, what you don't want to do is be letting VAR dominate the good work that's done around the park. But also, just to butt in, sorry, Brian, is that it shouldn't be fun now. <laughs> it's not about fun now, because it's either an objective decision or a subjective decision. The objective, as Alan said, that's, that's offside. So there's no reason why that should be wrong. No reason at all. And all you should say is, look, we messed up. Hands up. We're just starting this. There's teething problems. We're sorry. We'll, take, we'll, we'll do X, Y, and Z to make this better. And we're just fessing up. The point Alan made is that the statement I've made is almost like saying, yeah, we did mess up. We're not going to tell you we messed up. I'm going to make mm. up stories just to put people under the bus, etc. You've got the subjective stuff over here, and the subjective stuff is all about the laws of the game. And that has to be more sensible. That has to make more sense. And one of my biggest bugbears, just while having a rant, <laughs> is the most fundamental thing in football is you play 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Now, look at the technology we've got just now. It's amazing. But we can't stop the clock. You know, we can't just stop the clock. The balls that play, we can't just stop the clock. Because... I think I've read years ago that the average game is something like in play 55 to 60 mm-hmm. minutes or something like that. Yeah. You know, and I'm not just talking about you know uh, players getting injured or substitutions or, or goals. You watch any goalkeeper at Celtic Park and the ball's out for a goal kick. First thing, he won't argue with his back four and then he'll get back and he'll pick the ball up and he'll put it to one and he'll walk to the other side and he'll do all this kind of stuff. Stop the clock. Stop the clock. Right? I know that'll... You know, the games will last 20 past five or something. But just just stop the clock. You know, throw-ins, how much time is it wasted in them? I'm about a ranty mood today. So, so, so there's a dead simple thing you can do. There's two easy lessons from rugby. I think you're spot on. I mean, timekeeping is something you can remove from the referee. The referee's got enough to be getting on with. As Jim rightly said, it's a complicated job. Remove timekeeping. You know, there's a fourth official. All the fourth official can, you know, if all they can focus on is is timekeeping, then they can they can stop the clock at certain points. Uh, that that's easy to fix. That's what rugby does. Another thing they can learn from rugby is the having the refs mic'd up, so that the conversation between the VAR room and the referee is fully uh, transparent, and everyone in the stadium knows what's going on, and, and that that would give us the clarity that we need. I suspect we might have got some colourful language the other night if they had been broadcasting well, what they well, were they would saying. Have to, 
they, they would have to moderate accordingly and 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 and, and, and behave in a, a professional manner, no, no laughing at the, the back there. The, so, so, but what what, what I, I just want to just want one thing I would slightly disagree, not disagree with Jim, but just slightly nuance. He's absolutely right to to say this isn't a Celtic issue. There were three ridiculous handball decisions given in the Aberdeen Livingston game. Um, by Nick Walsh, who clearly the evidence suggests he doesn't know, uh, doesn't have a consistent view on what the handball law is. I think the issue, by the way, as Jim Riley again says, is that the the laws of football allow a huge level of subjectivity, and that that, that and that's always been the case. And unfortunately, that, that we we're going to have to kind of live with that. And the and the things about natural and natural position were attempts. To, to reduce that subjectivity, but they've obviously not necessarily worked in all cases. But what, what I was, the point I wanted to make was, um, when Jim says he's right to say this isn't an issue that, that impacts uh, Celtics, an impact that, issue that impacts all clubs, and that, that absolutely is the right focus. But would you all agree, or, or let me ask another question, would any of you disagree if I asserted that, uh, and you've, you've, you've called this Canvar substitute for complete incompetence. I, I, would, I would slightly disagree with the phrasing of that. If would you agree or disagree if the issue here is refereeing competence, right? Then the distribution of poor and incorrect decisions would be pretty much random. Mm. Agree? Go for yeah. it, Alan. If oh, it's not, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so there would, there would. What I'm saying is, every club should be equally impacted by bad decisions if the issue is incompetence. The issue might still be incompetence. But if there are other issues, um, then then that might explain if issues aren't randomly distributed. I and mean, we just need to keep that in our minds because as we go forward, we see more and more VAR issues coming to light. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why I do the the honest mistakes um, feature on my set up my numbers site. Is I've got I've got a English Yorkshire Sheffield Wednesday supporting independent referee assessing key incidents in Scottish games and giving a completely impartial view on what, what he thinks the right outcome should be. And I bet that Sheffield to me Wednesday is a, is are blue and white a, stripes, so... Well, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know and, I, and, I, and, I, and I tend to favour Sheffield United, so, you know, we've got all that going on. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, so all, all I'll ask you to, to keep in your minds is that incompetence should generate random bad decisions. All clubs should be equally affected by those decisions, and I'll just, I shall say no more than that. So mm. you're leaving that hanging there, Alan, just leaving it hanging, just for all, what's Alan talking about? <laughs> that, that, that's for people to draw their own conclusions. If you look at the Honest Mistakes um, series from last season, based on 38 games of data, uh, you might you might well draw a conclusion. <laughs> well, I think, I think that'll be interesting this season, because VAR's there. But, VAR's meant to help things, and if 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 you're seeing the same numbers as you saw last season, then there's obviously something worth taking further forward. I think. Interesting. Uh, well, so, I mean, I think. Listen, I think Celtic, Celtic get Celtic get a few decisions that go their way, and they get impacted by bad decisions. All the, a lot of other most other clubs get impacted by a lot of bad decisions too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, but I think I think what's good just to finish it, Laura, is the fact yeah. that, as I said, the Michael Smith handball, that's put it up front and it's at the forefront of everyone's thinking now. Whereas if this was a normal season, we'd just be seeing these referees are rubbish. Whereas now we're saying, hold on, something has to happen about this. This has to be better. Oh, this is... We're not going to sit back and, and watch this happen again. Something has to happen, which is good. Hmm. 
So Jim, I think, um, sorry, I, th- I think that that's, that statement is is a, is a is a slight lifting of the veil. Okay, we're 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 kind of in doogie doogie territory here. And for those of you that right. don't remember, it's important. It's a very important <laughs> case, and and people people often forget the specifics of it. So if you if you, if you indulge me, the, the the specifics of that case were that both Celtic and Rangers, as it was at the time, were going into a week eight, I think, or seven or eight of the season, and both clubs had a one hundred percent record. And Celtic went to Dundee United, and the two clubs were to meet in a in a derby the week week following that, right? And uh, in the first half, um, the Dundee United goalkeeper came out went through Gary Hooper to get the ball and brought him down, and uh, Doogie McDonald correctly gave a penalty. Something happened in Doogie's brain. Maybe maybe he was thinking about the context that I've just described, but I couldn't possibly comment. And he suddenly decided that, oh, it better not. It, it shouldn't be a penalty. He then went over to his young linesman uh, and uh, sort of had, had one of these, uh, 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 just pretend we're having a conversation-type conversations, and then came out after the game and told Neil Lennon and told the press that the linesman had said that he'd made a mistake and it wasn't a penalty. The linesman had done nothing of the sort uh, and confirmed that, but Hugh Dallas, who was Dougie McDonald and the young linesman's boss, came out and backed up 100% Dougie McDonald to the hilt. They both therefore lied to Neil Neil Lennon and Celtic, and they threw the young linesman under the bus and effectively ended his career. There was a real human impact to that story uh, in terms of that young man. Okay, and 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 they and they lived and they lived with that lie, uh, and and that now no, no, that that veil was lifted as to the culture of the organisation that runs refereeing in Scotland and the SFA, who are their who are their bosses. So the question is, a number of years on, has that culture changed? Alan, you just ruined that for me. I was about to make a joke about thinking Doogie Doogie was a character in the Magic Roundabout, but you went awful serious at the end and I felt like I couldn't say it anymore. I think um, that's the face painter, Alan. I think he... Is it the same Doogie Doogie? What was quite funny is the fact that we're now in Doogie Doogie territory. I can add to Natasha and because I'm no longer afraid of the Tony Macaroni. So we need to write these things down. So we have got kind of like hip phrases that people will not understand what you're talking about. No, but these are sure. we're, we're, we're in Doogie Doogie territory, pal. I'm telling you. We're in Doogie Doogie No, the serious point sure. is every so often the veil is lifted and we get to see what happens under the covers. And that statement mm. is enormously revealing uh, statement. For all the me- for all the mealy mouthness of it, it is enormously revealing. Yeah. And hopefully all the clubs will do something about it. It's not a Celtic thing. They will take that statement and rip it apart. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Watch the space. Good. Good. I'm pretty sure Natasha's been on holiday in the Doogie Doogie territory, but uh, anyway. (laughs) Um, That's that's going into really uh, dodgy ground there, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's what I'm not saying there. It's what I'm not saying. Um, Brian, I'll I'll pass this one on to you before I come back to to Jim and Alan on it. Um, AR on YouTube says the problem with VAR is now is making contentious decisions worse. If there was no VAR at the game the other night, the linesman would have flagged offside and it would, in all honesty, now be forgotten. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.
This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Do you agree with that? The reason I brought that up was because at first when I read it, I thought, oh, that's a fair point. It would be forgotten. And then I thought, no, actually, that isn't the point. The point is that VAR should be done properly and then it still wouldn't be a contentious decision. Or where do you stand on that? Uh, yeah, the, the, the decision isn't the issue. It's how they arrived at the decision. Mm. It's the issue that the offside onside is irrelevant, really, in the grand scale of things. What this does is, and, and he's right in a way, it would have been forgotten about. The fact is it shouldn't be forgotten about. It should be called out. And, and these things should always be called out. And for a long time, they've not been. And as it's, it's, it's Jim and Alan have, have both said very well, this is the time where it's the, the lifting of the veil. We can start to see, we can really challenge these things now. So it's not just a offset complaining thing. It's on a hold on. By, you know, any sort of logical reasoning, this shouldn't have happened or this should have happened or why didn't it happen this way? And it's a bit more tangible. <laughs> we actually say, we look at this, why is this not functioning correctly? Whereas before, it could just be, oh, stop complaining. And that's sort of, and it's, it's um, Al Rankly said about, um, about Doogie Gate was the fact that it was a blatant lie and it was seen very publicly to be a blatant lie and it was forgotten about just as quickly and it shouldn't have been. So that comment, the guy is right, yeah, it's going to make maybe conversations with these things sort of um, gestate a bit more. Um, but this conversation isn't about the decision itself, it's about how that decision was reached. Mm-hmm. And then the sort of the, the SFA response to it, and, and it's that sort of it's as I say that culture is what needs to be challenged, and it's been challenged long ago. But now I feel like it's almost at a tipping point where there's um, not evidence of it, but um, it does it does highlight it clearer. And I think that's that's the thing. So we're not complaining about the offside onside. Probably was offside. Doesn't really matter. It's the fact that these have to be discussed, and it's the reasons why, and that's the issue. I think to answer the point of the person that's just asked the question there was that if we didn't have VAR, we'd have had consistency like we had last year. We'd had uh, somebody with a call Crawford Allen and he'd have said, Kyogo's offside, and that would have finished it. So. <laughs> yeah, if, uh, I think I think you're fighting a losing battle either way with, with, with what we've had to put up with in terms of decisions. Jim, the, the, no. you talked about wanting to keep things simple is is VAR making things over complicated in your, your eyes yeah. would it be simpler to go back to what we were doing before no I think as I said earlier I think we've got the video technology the technology is there it's just how it's getting used mm. basically and as I said we've now got as I said I thought VAR was some sort of video thing somebody looked at it's another referee VAR is not a, it's not a thing people talk mm. about you know VAR it's this it's that it's not it's he it's he, VAR is the, the assistant referee, the guy who's watching the game at the same time as a referee. And then there's a bit that was flagged up during the week that apparently there's an assistant VAR. And an ex-referee apparently was, was one of the assistant VAR who makes a living going around clubs get, you know, telling anti-Celtic stories. So, hey, who, who's involved with this stuff? You know, so my concern is, is that we're just not using the technology right. <clears throat> it's there. 
Use it right and keep it dead simple. Don't overcomplicate things because the more you overcomplicate things, then the more debate that you're going to have, the more confusion you're going to have, and we end up just going around in circles. Once upon a time, football's quite a simple game. Yes, there was people would question decisions, etc., etc. But we now have technology, and the point Alan made at the start is binary is it offside or onside. They've, 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 they've messed this up. So why do you just come out and say, well, guys, we made a mess of this. It's, it's, it's early days and we'll do what we can. And then from a Celtic point of view, they get the three points. There was no harm done. Thankfully, there was no harm done in that game. We'll learn the lessons and we'll, and we'll take this next few weeks we've got during the World Cup to actually, you know, speak to the clubs again, maybe go over some decisions and, and, and pull you all together and try and move forward as one as opposed to we're all complaining about things, you know. Yeah, I think I think the other bit of the statement that really frustrated me was the fact that they wanted to drive home that they still thought, regardless of how it was reached, they had made the right decision. I felt like saying, "Doesn't matter if you think you made the right decision because you were always going to think that." It's it's so, like so, so, so. You then say, based on what? Yeah. yeah, show me, show me that, show me you made that decision. And the cat, the point I made at the start there about they're using Hawkeye. What is Hawkeye? <laughs> you know. That's what I said. Use Mickey Mouse. Fine. Use Mickey Mouse. That's fine. Right. Yeah, show, show us how good he is at doing the offside drill and we'll believe you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just kind of believe Liz Truss is now writing the SFA statements. That's what I'm honest <laughs> about. Does Daryl Broadfoot not still work for them? <laughs> oh, God. If, if that's the case, then it maybe makes a lot more sense, to be honest. Um, Alan, we'll, we'll, we'll get away from this particular decision and statement that we've, we've taken to bits, but um, the performance on Thursday night, um, for me anyway, on a personal level, sometimes really exciting stuff, sometimes very frustrating stuff. It was a bit of a... Bit of an up and down ninety minutes for me. Was that reflected in what you saw and what you observed at Fur Park? Yeah, I, th- I think we have to be careful in the sense of you know, like, like all teams, not just Celtic, um, we're, we're packing a lot of games into a short period of time. We're, we're making f- around about four and a half lineup changes each and every game, which is unprecedented in the data that I've collected. So sometimes that cohesion and that fluidity of attacking football isn't quite going to be there. That's what's one consideration. Second consideration is you have to give credit to Motherwell. They worked their socks off, as you'd expect any side to do. But in terms of coming back to the data, the number of pressures that they put on Celtic was around about 160. I'm just trying to think from the stats bomb data. And just for context, Celtic's number of pressure. So a pressure is when you've got the ball, Laura, and I, and I sprint to close you down, right? How many times? Have you done? So they, 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 they executed about 160 of these in the game. Celtic executed about 50, right? So, so even though Celtic are known as a high-pressing <clears throat> team, there were about a third the number of pressures that Motherwell uh, exerted. So Motherwell were working bloody hard all game uh, to close Celtic down. So there wasn't a lot of space. The next, the next sort of context I'd give you is that Celtic scored a goal pretty early. Um, that gave them a one-goal lead. And at no time in the game, other than perhaps the last few minutes, did Motherwell look like they were going to score. And I think Celtic were quite comfortable with that. I think they played a, not a containing game so much, but they were quite comfortable not to force it, having got a lead, having looked at a team that was exerting a lot of energy and closing them down. They weren't, they weren't minded to put the foot to, to the metal. 
probably on the reasonable basis that we don't need to, we're leading. They're not threatening us in an attacking sense. And thirdly, if they keep pressing us like this, we're going to be able to pick them off later in the game. So I think we manage the game pretty well. If you look at the kind of expected goals over the 90 minutes, it was a bit lower than what it normally is. But Statsbomb had it as, I think, 0.5 to Motherwell and 2 to Celtic. I'm happy with a 1.5 XG differential. That, to me, suggests we're going to win that game, you know, a high percentage of the time. So I completely agree. It wasn't a particularly fluid performance. It wasn't a particularly exciting game. But given those contexts, I was kind of comfortable with it. If I look back over the last few years when Celtic habitually play nine, ten games in December, we've seen a lot of these types of games where, you mm. know, it's a 1-0 win at home to Arctic Thistle, a 2-1 a win at Dens Park. It's all a bit scrappy, but we get over the line type of thing. This wasn't a, oh, we just got over the line. We won that game really comfortably, and I think we did it in a very controlled way. So I'm kind of happy with that. Yeah. Um, Jim, do you, are you in agreement with that as far as what Alan's saying about it maybe being a case of, you know, it's been a it's been a hectic schedule. We've got a couple of games to go before we get an extended rest. It's just about doing what we can to get the results over the line at the moment. I agree with everything Alan said. Three points at hard it could have been a hard venue. I think they learned the lesson from the the four 0 game the other week. Uh, I thought we were in second gear all game. Uh, I think we were a wee bit sloppy in the last third. I thought we were sloppy last Saturday as well against Dundee United. Uh, Never losing a goal. You would expect them to up the ante in the last 10, 15 minutes, which they did, and we picked them off the Maida goal. Uh, it's a good three points, and that's that's what it's all about at this point in time. We're playing a lot of games. He's, he's shuffling the pack every single game. Uh, and as long as we win, then he's picked the right team. You know, it's when we don't win, you can maybe start to question uh, <laughs> who he's picked, etc. But if we win the game, I mean, I haven't talked about last Saturday. I mean, I couldn't understand why I took the big chap off 15 minutes ago because we couldn't pass around that. You know, the thing I could see was we're going over the top. We needed Yakimakis, and then what do you know? He brings on Kyogo and he scores. So, so mm. uh, yeah, I thought we were a bit sloppy. And uh, I'd like to see shoot more. I don't know what the, the kind of stats and whatever that are, but we just we don't. We don't shoot enough for me. I think we'd, 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 we'd try and play difficult passes at times. I was a bit frustrated last was last Saturday. United. O'Reilly kept trying his wee chips. Mm. <laughs> really difficult wee chips into, I think it was Jackie Marcus at the time. And none of them came off. And you're just saying, shoot. Why don't you just shift it and shoot? Because I think as far as I can remember, there's only one that I can remember where somebody's shot and the keepers saved it. And then somebody's hit the rebound in Maeda at Tynecastle, I think. Mm. So we need to shoot more. Because I think there's a number of players in the team They've got a good dig on them, whether it's Yota or Turnbull or Hatati or, you know, and Haxabanovic actually looks like he's got a decent shot on him. So just maybe shoot a wee bit more. As far as Wednesday was, yeah, I thought we were really comfortable. Uh, until you get the second goal, you're always a wee bit, hmm, anything could happen here. It's one of these kind of games. Uh, like last Saturday, <laughs> where you're thinking, mm, this could be one of these games with the law of averages that, you know, we haven't lost any points, any laugh date. And any any you know daft late goals and all of a sudden done yet to score, but we showed the mental strength to come back. So it felt a bit like that Wednesday night that just just get the second goal and then we get the second goal and then lose a daft goal. But but I thought you know it's sometimes a hard venue to go to. We've played tons of games, loads of changes. You get three points and go up the road. And I think you know with this break coming up tomorrow, just just keep that gap uh, and we move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brian the. the... I felt I felt a little bit like 
it was scrappy for the reasons that Alan and Jim have both talked about. Was there anybody in particular that you saw on Wednesday night that you thought really looked like they're needing a rest or really looked like they're they're kind of a bit dead on their feet or is it just a case of the, the, the whole squad's needing that, that break, obviously apart from the ones that are going to the World Cup? I don't really think anyone looked dead on their feet. I think, I think they could probably, you know, if there wasn't a break coming up, I think we would rumble on accordingly. Um, just talking about the game without analysing the, the very average referee. See what I did there? Um, I think that it's, um, it's uh, I think Hitati Hitati was the one that I think I highlighted it a couple of weeks ago he's like Samaras in that when he plays well he's unplayable but when he doesn't he's he's, he's, a, he's a bit a wasted jersey the mm. difference is Samaras in the first five minutes of a game you know if he's going to have a good game Hitati flutters between that throughout the game so you always kind of have to have him on because he can create something you know out the blue that, that's brilliant um, I think actually one of the because I don't think it's a bad performance really I can have agree with, with Al I think if you're grading it on a curve it really wasn't quite as fast paced as our normal performances but by any other metric if you look at that performance it was a good game and we played well so I'm not too concerned um, so I don't think like legginess or tiredness is an issue one of the things that I, I have noticed though and again I mentioned it before we're really sitting deeper he still plays really well in that role he's defensive Capabilities I've always said are underrated. I think he's, I mean, Al will tell me, but I think he's got to have some of the best tackling in the team, right? But I think what we get from him in that deeper role, we lose from him further forward. Mm-hmm. And it does affect the way we play because he does defend really well from the front when we've got someone there. So I would have liked to have seen, I think the, the midfield dynamics been a wee bit off since McGregor's not been playing, which is mm-hmm. to be expected to a degree, but I'd like to see maybe Abogard sort of in the deeper and let O'Reilly press more like Hitati press more um, but I can't have too many complaints to be honest and I think as well what you've seen and I hope it's not a pattern that's forming but against Dundee United I thought we were fairly pedestrian if I was mm-hmm. honest until they scored and it was like we woke up a bit and went right okay turn it on bang two goals so you always feel we've got another level I just so even when, when Motherwell scored I thought we were alright we're going to see this out no problem either they equalised or they still felt we'd have won um, I just want, don't want us to rest too long on that. So I think we'll score, we'll be fine. I want us to keep that intensity up the way we have been for most of the season. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I don't think it's about resting the players, especially. I think I think they're all super fit. I think by now, maybe apart from Abogard, because he's not played that much and some of the other guys, I think they're as fit as they're going to be. I don't think the, I actually don't think the, the break's going to benefit us that much. If I'm honest, I think. We're a team that seems to get better the more we play. We need to be looking at last December, mm. where the squad was threadbare. And also, there was no Hitati, Maeda, etc., O'Reilly coming into the team. We, we still kept going and kept going and churned them out. And I think that built in a bit of resilience. So I, I'm no especially happy the, the season's taking a break. I think, and I think the players would prefer to just keep on rumbling on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the World Cup does, both for the players who aren't going and maybe lose momentum and the players who do go and uh, and suffer fatigue or whatever from the back. But, um, Alan, I hate to put you on the spot like this because I know that you have a lot of stats to try and remember in your head, but I saw you nodding along with um, with Brian there when he was talking about Matt O'Reilly and the, the, the defensive strengths he brings to the team as well as potentially the fact that we might lose out on some of the attacking um, prowess that he's got because he's having to take on this extra responsibility while Callum McGregor's injured. 
is that reflected at all in anything that you've you've collated recently in terms of of his effectiveness in both the roles? Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. So, so, so whilst you always spring things on me that I haven't prepared, what I always do to you is 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 send you off on a different tangent whilst I think about it. So in that spirit, yeah, yeah. If you don't mind, I'm just going to cover Jim's point about number of shots that we take because I thought that was a really Absolutely. interesting point. I just want to talk about that for a second, and then I'll come on to O'Reilly and and in that role. So first of all, the number of shots taken. So. Um, this is this is this is a, a, really, a really interesting perspective actually because if you look at the actual data, um, we're taking last season we averaged about seventeen point four shots per game. This season it's just over seventeen, so slight reduction in total number of shots. But <laughs> big but, you know we've played six games in the Champions League against top top opposition. Now if you if you take away all of that and just look at SPFL games and that's the sort of that's a common benchmark of quality if you like, we're actually mm-hmm. taking more shots. This season. Now we're also taking more shots inside the box and less outside the box, and that's a good thing. Now, as much as that might, as much as that might frustrate Jim, maybe Jim wants to see more shots outside the box. Yes, and I kind of get that point. Yeah, so 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 I'm saying that's not a good thing, right? You, you want to be taking less shots outside the box because they're very low probability of scoring, and all you're really doing is giving the ball away. Whereas if you keep recycling it and wait for the opportunity to get a shot in the box, you're essentially more likely to score. And in fact, our, despite the fact that we've played six games in the Champions League, our expected goals has gone up from 2.23 per game to 2.86 a game, which is a massive um, jump. And that's, that's that's all matches. That's including Champions League games. So what what that's showing to me is that the attacking patterns in our game are getting better. Uh, we're also taking more shots inside the box, less outside the box, which is also a sensible thing to do. And so I'm kind of happy with that. But I kind of get the sort of the the, the sort of when you're there and you just sometimes you think, oh, just shoot because we've footed around for a long time now, sort of thing. I get that, but. But actually, the right thing to do is to wait for that opportunity and work it into a better position, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's what um, you were but, saying, but, though, Jim, wasn't it? But, the... well, but I think it depends what happens afterwards. Mm. I get the point you're making there, but if you take... There was at least two, maybe three occasions against Dundee United that O'Reilly chose just to chip the ball over and he went to the goalkeeper. Rather than taking three shots. So I'd rather took three shots and under that wee chip. That's my point. Mm. Yeah, uh, those those three shots would all be around, would all be a less, a, somewhere between two three percent chance of success. That's the point. And then you, you, all you yeah, do is give away. Ah, but, but, but in terms of the quality of the pass he was making was poor, and therefore that was that was that was zero percent. Then 
So, so he's better than zero. Right. But if he, if he, but if he make, if he, I know, but if he makes one out of those three passes, and because of that pass being completed, someone's got a twenty percent chance. Yeah, I mean, do you, it's just simple probabilities. Actually, you can you can't do it on a spreadsheet. Well, it's, it's <laughs> anyway, funny. Listen. It's funny. <laughs> Hold on, a calculator. See you later. It's funny you say that, Alan. I was, I was. A- I was about to say I agree with Jim. Pi R squared. <laughs> I was about to say I agree with Jim. You don't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket, but something something makes me think you probably don't buy a lottery ticket. So. <laughs> I don't. I don't gamble. No. So what's that tell you? <laughs> Listen, I used to, I've, work, I've worked, I've worked in risk management as part of my career as well, so I don't gamble. So that's fine. So listen, Matt O'Reilly. Right. So listen. So yes. I'll, I'll try and keep this as brief as I, uh, brief as I can. So. Um, Fundamentally, um, let's start with the negative. Fundamentally, what Matt O'Reilly cannot replicate is is, is the is the sort of um, secret sauce that McGregor brings. What is that? It's the speed at which he um, progresses the ball. It's the speed at which he transitions the team from defence to midfield, to defence and to attack, either by the, 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 the speed at which he covers the ground when he carries the ball forward or the fact that you know his body shape is always excellent to receive the ball. He's already got the next pass worked out in his head before he makes it. Now, that's, that, that, that is the, the one super skill that McGregor has that makes him perfect for that sixth position. Um, O'Reilly's actually got better defensive stats in that position, and he's got better attacking stats in that position. Um, but he can't, he can't do the things that, that McGregor does, which knits the team together. And that's actually more important. Okay, As well as, you rightly said, we're then missing the number eight O'Reilly that's further forward, which is a big concern because he's really productive. So so no harm to Matt O'Reilly, right? He's a 21-year-old kid who is operating in a position which when McGregor was that age, he was on loan at Notts County and then spent the next few years in and out of the team on the wing. And Matt O'Reilly's been asked to play that role in the Champions League at 21. And, and it made sense to give the most intelligent player in the team that role. So um, he's done really well, is the bottom line. And actually, in the European games, he's been exceptional. And the reason for that is because in Scotland, most teams will man-mark our number six and certainly put him under a lot of pressure. Whereas in Europe, none of our D players were deemed good enough to man-mark. And so they pretty much let O'Reilly have the ball. And when when they let him have the ball, he actually completed more passes in the European games than he has in the domestic games, which is remarkable when you think about the possession of 70% in a domestic game versus 40% in Europe. So all that tells me O'Reilly's done, done a fantastic job. And then what we saw against Dundee United specifically on Saturday is he completely took that game individually by the scruff of the neck and individually drove Celtic forward in that second half. He was involved in all four goals. Um, he, he won the tackle in midfield that set up Patati to Jota to, to then the cross win. He, he, he created the turnover that created the first goal. He had a direct assist for another one and was a secondary assist for two of them. But not only that, he drove the team forward. He had loads of shots. He had loads of um, chances that he created as well. All of those things suggest he could be a superb number six, but he's 21 years old. And I'm sure when McGregor comes back into the team, he will rightly be put back into that sixth position because of that ability to move the ball quicker than O'Reilly does. Uh, and that, that, that allows the team to progress and, and, and move up the pitch at a better pace. So I, I don't think I've definitively answered your question, but that's that's kind of the, the holistic view that I have of O'Reilly in that position. I think Brian thinks he was roughly right, so it's a good enough answer. So. Well, he, 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 he,
so we've got Ross County coming up tomorrow at three o'clock. Um, so it's um, going to be a. I don't know. I, I always get a bit nervous for Ross County. I don't know if it's in my head, Brian. I'll come to you first on it. Are they the new? Are they the new Livingston now that we're over the Livingston hump? Is, is Ross County the kind of one that we've got to watch out for, or am I being a bit paranoid? Yeah, paranoid. But then I think we, we need to be careful with, with, with every game, right? We, we say that you know. I think Jim and I last time we were on said we expected nine points out of nine in these three games, but each game has had its dangers. Really, although we've been broadly comfortable. And I expect the same for Ross County. I don't think we should ever, and this goes back to my earlier point about having that second, third, fourth gear. I'd rather we just started and blitz teams and then settled, as opposed to scoring and sort of controlling. <laughs> I don't know that that necessarily suits us, and that makes me slightly nervous. Anyone in the league, no matter how good we are playing, always makes me nervous because one ball into the box, it could go wrong. Uh, uh, a VAR decision might cost us the game. Imagine that next week. So, <laughs> I think that it's important that you know there's no complacency, and I think we need a. I think just to make sure there's no dissent, any more dissent, uh, dissenting voices. I think a really good performance would be key. But no, I, I can't say I'm, I'm overly concerned. Really, with all due respect to Ross County, uh, you know they've not the greatest season. The only, I suppose, the only flip side to that, the only note of caution would be for teams like that. It's a free pass when you play Celtic. Isn't it? Because you're not expected to do anything. And sometimes they can play a bit freer, a bit braver, because they think, well, we're going to be anyway, so that's the goal. So we just have to be cautious of that. But at, um, at Celtic Park, I, I don't see there's been any problems. Fair enough. Um, Jim, Alan touched on the fact that um, I think it was something like an average of four and a half changes to the line-up per game over the last few games, and that that's, that's a higher than... An average number of changes. Are you expecting that to continue tomorrow? Or are you expecting a lot of changes to the lineup, or 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 much of a muchness from Motherwell? Who's the half, Alan? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I would expect uh, a few changes tomorrow. It's an average, Jim. Uh, I know. <laughs> I put my calculator away. Uh, I would think. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to bring, bring back Ralston. Uh, I'd like to have Turnbull for for more. Yeah, I think maybe the World Cup guys. With the exception of Carter Vickers, maybe have one eye in the World Cup, so maybe I'll leave them out. Juranovic out, Moy out, Turnbull in, uh, Ralston in. I'd start with Haksabanovic again. Uh, I'd give Yakimakis a game and, uh, and Yota. That'd be my front three. Uh, individually, collectively, far better than Ross County. We shouldn't be dropping points to Ross County at home. If we do, that's not that's not a good thing. Uh, one big effort before we, we hit this break, that would be good. I mean, we haven't been scoring... We haven't been winning games convincingly that we did maybe a month or so ago, so that'll give them a wee bit of confidence because I think when we're scoring all these goals, every team that's coming to Celtic Park thinking we could get a doing here. And before the ball's kicked, they've been that bit of apprehension. I think we haven't been putting teams to the sword. Uh, we've been winning games but not really hammering them in the last few weeks. I think that'll give them a wee, wee bit of confidence. But I think I can accept that we drop points during the season, but we really shouldn't be dropping points to Ross County at home. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I'm just sitting thinking while you were talking there, it's, that'd be an interesting statistical analysis to get Alan to do is if we could pick one half of one player, which player would it be and which half would it be? What would be the most effective? <laughs> <laughs> I was meaning left and right half. 
I'll take my I'll take Matt O'Reilly's top half if that's all right. <laughs> and we will Where are you going with this? Right Where are you going with this? This is Matt McGregor. There you go. So just just so just on Ross County then quickly, Laura is um, I can't, so Jim Jim. We've scored nineteen goals in the last uh, five league games, so I think that's pretty. That's nearly four goals a game. That's that's, that's a round of numbers. Lost goals as well. So I mean, take out the Hibs game. A few, a few. That'll be relatively tight. Okay, let's take out. Well, should we take it? We won't take out the four, four, two, four, two games or the four, three. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Listen, Ross County are, are the second lowest. I've got the second lowest XG for in the league behind St. Johnson. So the, um, that means is, you know, they're creating the least number of chances in the, in the league, really, uh, of all teams. So that should be, that should be uh, a sucker for us. I mean, the, we've, we've, I think, you know, we're in a great position, right? We've played 14 league games and we've only played six at home. We've got to remember that as well. So we've, we've, we've done a lot of the tough away, away league uh, uh, games as well. So we should, be, we should be looking forward to an open game. Other thing I would say is that although Ross County have won the last two games, they're not used to playing two hard, three hard games in a week, and they've had three hard games. I mean, they had, you know they did really well at Easter Road in the week there. Uh, they ground out a two 0 win. You know they didn't have that many shots at goal, but fair play to them, they did that. So they'll, you know they'll be they'll not be used to that intensity uh, three times a week like like Celtic are. I think it's a really interesting point about you know what do you do about the World Cup players because um, I believe. Um, I can't remember which team it is. It might be it might be Carter Vickers. I think USA play a week on Monday, the like you know mm-hmm. their first World Cup game. So they've literally got a week to fly out there, seven hour flight, and then you know uh, get acclimatized and get your body clock adjusted, get onto onto all that sort of stuff. I, I personally, as, as as a token of good faith, I would rest them all tomorrow. I don't know if they mm-hmm. want to be rested. I'm pretty sure Carter Vickers wouldn't. Um, but I would actually arrest them on as a, as, a, as, a, as a sort of act of good faith. I think we've got enough coverage because despite all these games, one of the impacts of the rotations is we've only got two injuries in the squad at the moment. That's remarkable if you think about where we were last season. So we've, I think we've, we've got the luxury of being able to bring in the likes of Ralston. If we had Starfelt and Jens against the second worst attack in the league, are we really are we concerned about that? Um, you know, Maida has kind of been a bit bit part recently anyway. If we played Haksabanovic instead, is that really going to be an issue? Uh, or we played Abada instead? I don't think so. Moy, if we played Turnbull instead, is that going to really going to weaken the team? So I'd, I'd, as, a, as a sign of good faith, I'd give those guys a week off, say, enjoy the World Cup, do yourselves proud. And uh, I still think we should have enough to, to win. You leave out Carter Vickers. You leave out Carter Vickers. Yes, always play your game, best yeah. team, Alan. Always play your best team. Never mind good faith. This is Celtic. Never mind America. <laughs> play your best team. If, you, if, if we don't, if, 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 start, if, if start, you know, Starfelt and Jens were good enough for the Burnaby, I'm sure they're going to be good enough for home to Ross County. I, I'm, I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying that you mm-hmm. should always play your best team. And you I, can, I can't. It's not. I, I agree. I agree with you. you know, yeah, I, I agree with you in spirit, but I just think the the, the practicalities of of modern football, the intensity. The way Celtic play, the pressing, the number of games, etc., and the context, the human element, right? I, I'm just talking about as a as a manager of people, that would be my reaction to their situation. Who's situation? Sorry, as a man manager, the, the players that are going to the World Cup, I would I would want them. I would I would hate for them Celtic. to be injured in this game. I would hate Celtic. for them to be injured. 
Celtic pay their wages I mean, it's about three points tomorrow so you, for me you've always agreed, played your best agreed, team but I, I don't think Juranovic fine Moy Maida fine should we get VAR on this just to just to cover the decisions in case it goes wrong I think so and then once we mess it up then we can release a statement saying how oh, it was yeah. their fault in the first place look at my look at, look at my camera this is the camera I'm using <laughs> <They're> offside <laughs> <laughs> to, to to defend Jim slightly here, I believe the time difference between here and Qatar is only three hours, so they won't have much acclimatizing to do. So um hopefully hopefully all goes well. Regardless of who plays tomorrow, obviously I, I wouldn't want to see anybody get injured and I hope they all get away all right to have a good World Cup. Um uh, unfortunately I got um Croatia and Ecuador in the sweepstakes, so I'm I'm on a hiding to nothing. So, um, uh, you're all right with Croatia. Croatia, good side. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not bad. I don't see them making another final though. Um, Brian, Alan, Jim, thank you for joining me today. Thanks everybody in the comments for joining us on Friday. Um, we will hopefully be here for the match coverage over the weekend, and um, we will see you very soon. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.